Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. Good to see you, and we're glad that you are here to worship the Lord. I don't know about you, but I felt the presence of the Lord today, haven't you? Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand this morning. Well, we're starting a new series today called Stuck. Has anybody here ever been stuck? Well, if you hadn't, you will be. Just hang on. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us. Lord, speak to our hearts. Let your word come alive in my lips and in every life here. We give you praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Timothy Cipriani, he is uh, 46 years old, he is uh, on probation, and after the uh, Pisanus Pizza Hut type establishment closed, at 1 o'clock he decided he was going to rob it. What he did, he went on the roof and decided he'd go down one of the air shafts into the pizza place to rob it, but this is what happened, he got stuck. And so when the alarms went off, the police found him stuck over the hot air fryer, and uh, the, the grease is still hot in the fryer with his legs dangling, and it took them about 30 minutes to get him out. How many of you know that was a bad, bad choice? When I was in the early service this morning, this is of course our second service, one of the men in the service said his dad was called to a neighbor not too far along to help with her door. What had happened, a thief had tried to break in through the doggy door, and he got halfway through. The front half is in the house, and the other half is outside, and so the police had to come and uh, wreck the door to get him out. Bad, bad choice, and this is uh, my favorite story, but uh, if I was in it, it wouldn't be a story at all for me to like. Ben Carpenter, he is... Uh, a man about 50 years old. He has muscular dystrophy. He lives about 100 or so miles from Detroit, Michigan. And he is in an electric wheelchair. He's trying to go across the crosswalk in a certain place in the little town he lived. And before he got across the crosswalk, he was in front of a semi-truck that didn't see him below the grill. And when the light turned green... His handlebars got caught in the grill of the semi that took off and took him several miles, 50 miles an hour. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Ben Carpenter, I'd be freaking out. And people saw this. Here's a guy in a wheelchair with both of the handles stuck in the grill of the semi going down the road at 50 miles an hour, and people are frantically calling uh, the police. They're trying to stop the semi, and there are two off-duty police officers who saw this that finally got the, sh the semi shut down, and they took Ben Carpenter to the hospital just to check him out, and he was okay. Uh, I may need to change underwear. I'm not for sure. Y'all are so holy. And they said he was completely okay, but there was no rubber tread left on his wheelchair wheels. Goodness gracious. People get stuck all the time, don't they? Now, 
I remember when uh, my kids were small, Matthew uh, especially, we would go to McDonald's. And it was the old McDonald's location, not where it is now in Duncan. And if you remember, there was a playground right in front of that. And it had a, a metal fence around the playground. So we're there eating. We'd take the kids there. They'd get Happy Meals, one thing or another. So they'd go out and play on the playground. Carrie and I'd stay inside the restaurant. And then Matt uh, was outside with Aaron. And then Aaron came bounding into the restaurant and he said, Dad, Dad, said, Matt's in trouble. I said, what's wrong? He said he has his head stuck between the bars of the fence. So I go out there, and there Matt is with his head through the bar of the fence. And I thought, okay, maybe we have to get some greasy French fries and oil his ears or something. I don't know. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, do we need to call the fire department? What's, what's the deal? Finally, we, we got him out of the fence, and his head was unstuck. But this is what I know about life. You can get stuck. And a lot of people are still stuck today. You, you can get stuck in traffic. You can get stuck in the mud. You can get stuck in a bad relationship. You can get stuck in a dead-end job. You can get stuck in depression, despondency. You can get stuck in grief. You have someone that dies close to you. You grieve them, and you should. You mourn them, and you should. But you can't get stuck there because it becomes very unproductive. People can get stuck in the past, they can get stuck in their failures and their faults, they can get stuck uh, in their fears, or you can be stuck at home uh, during a pandemic, uh, COVID-19, and not get out, and you can be stuck. And listen, being stuck is never good. And we need to learn how to get unstuck if we are stuck, and certainly, uh, you know, people sometimes live way too long in a place that's stuck. I want to give you five observations about being stuck and how to get unstuck. So if you have a pencil and paper, I'd like for you to get that out today. And here's the first one. Being stuck can result from a loss of momentum. Being stuck can result from a loss of momentum. How many of you are going to help me preach today? Now, this has happened to every person in here at one time or another, or will. You've been driving down the road, or you're off-road, and you, you see a, a puddle. You see some ruts filled with uh, uh, mud and and water, or you, you go through a soft spot, and this is what you're thinking. If I can just get enough speed up, I can get through this tough place. If I can get enough speed up, I'll get through this, uh, this muddy place. But if you don't get enough speed up, guess what happens? You get stuck. So we, we want to approach it with enough momentum and speed that we get through those places where we could get stuck. Now, this is Psalm 23. This is a, a verse that most of you could quote. And let's go through this this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I want you to see something here that is very evident here. He says that I'm going through a place that is difficult. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Now, if we have momentum, and look at this very closely, if we have momentum, we can get through some of these rough places in our life. If we keep moving forward, if we don't stop, now verse 4 says that I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. But he's moving, right? I'm walking through this. So how do we lose momentum in some tough places in our life? Let me just give you a few reasons here. Number one, we quit praying. 
If you stop praying, you begin to lose spiritual momentum. If you quit reading the Word of God, you begin to lose spiritual momentum. Quit gathering with the saints, as the manner of some are. So if you quit doing that, guess what you do? You quit losing, uh, you start losing momentum, you, you, quit lo- you, know, you start losing the speed. If you quit doing what God's called you to do, you start losing momentum. So what we need to do is we need to keep moving forward and not lose momentum. If I can just get enough speed up, if I have enough momentum, I can come out on the other side of this and not get stuck. But if you stop doing the things that you know to do, then it's very easy to get stuck. So what we want to do is we want to continue to have momentum. So go back with me to Psalm 23. Notice this. The Lord's my shepherd. Very positive, right? Shall not want. He's supplying my need. He's making me to lie down in green pastures. He's, he's got me by the still waters. He's restoring my soul. He's leading me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So verse 1, 2, 3, 4. Good, 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 good. Positive, positive, positive. But verse 4, what do we do? We hit a rough spot. Verse 4, we hit a muddy spot. Verse 4, there's some ruts that are deep there. And now what am I doing? I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm still moving. I may not be moving as fast as as I was in verse 1, 2, and 3, but I'm still moving. And listen, keep moving. Don't stop. Bad place, don't stop. Muddy place, don't stop. Because if you stop, you may get stuck. And there's a lot of people stuck in bad places. They're stuck in relationships. They're stuck in their job. They're stuck in their finances. They're stuck in their grief, their depression, their despondency. Listen, there's always going to be tough places. There's always going to be tough spots in your life. But just keep moving. Goodness gracious, don't stop there. Just keep moving. And this is what David is saying. Verse 1, great. Verse 2, great. Verse 3, great. Verse 4, not so great. But I'm still walking. I'm still moving. I I still have a little bit of momentum. I I was building up steam in verse 1, 2, and 3. So I got enough steam to get through verse 4. Come on now. We have to have some momentum in our life to keep moving forward. Because if you don't, you will get stuck. Here's the second observation. You may become stuck when you leave the firmness of the pathway or the road. Uh, if you stay on the road, you're going to be better off, right? You stay on the path, you're going to be better off. Let me give you a couple of verses here. This is Psalm chapter 17, verse 5. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. Everybody say, slipped. So what happens when your tires are slipping, you're not moving forward. You're just spinning. You know, this is what I found out. Your motor can be running, your tires can be spinning, but you're not going anywhere. But listen to me, zoom, room, room, room. You're still stuck. My, my tires are moving, but you're still stuck. So he says, I haven't slipped because I've stayed on your path. Verse uh, 2, Psalm 73. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. 
Now, we have a term here in Oklahoma and across the world. It's called off-road. How many have ever heard that term? I'm going off-road. Well, let me tell you where you're most likely to get stuck. Off-road, right? Take the wrong path, may get stuck. Hang out with the wrong people, may get stuck. Get off-road from God's will in your life, may get stuck. Lose the traction of the road, may get stuck. Lose the firmness of the path, may get stuck. Have you ever done this? You've, you've been stuck, and you try to get unstuck, and you look for everything around you to stick under your tire? Y'all had been stuck like I have. I'm looking for bricks. I'm looking for concrete blocks. I'm looking for tree limbs. I'm looking for logs. I'm looking for everything about to throw under that tire so I can get some traction to get unstuck. You know what your tire needs? Your tire needs something firm underneath it to get unstuck. And when you lose the firmness, when you, when you lose the contact with the road, guess what happens? You get stuck. Do you know the prodigal son went off-road? He told his father, Father, I don't like your rules, don't like your regulations. Give me my inheritance now. I want it before you die. And so guess what he did? He went off-road. So he goes to a foreign country. You know the story. He lives a horrific lifestyle, wine, women, song. And when the money runs out, the friends run out, he takes this dead-end job. He's stuck in a job he doesn't want to be in. He's feeding the hogs. He comes to his senses, and guess what? He gets unstuck. But he went off-road. And we have to be careful that we don't get into a place in our life that we say, I'm going off-road. And guess what? Many times people get stuck out there, and it's very hard to get back to where they need to be. Here's the third thing this morning. When we're stuck, we may need a change of perspective. When we're stuck, we may need a change of perspective. Now, when, when, when we're stuck, there can be the loss of reasonable perspective. The loss of reasonable perspective. This is what happens so many times, and, and listen, we're, we're there right now. If you're watching the news, everything on the news that I can see is usually horrible, horrible, horrible. Or if I'm Charles Barkley, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. And you watch it, and it's more bad news. You watch it, it's more bad news. You watch it, more bad news. So our perspective can get so negative, we get stuck. Because all we see is the negativity. Now, this doesn't just apply in a, a macro sense. It's also in a micro sense. It's in a very uh, minute sense. Because some people are just turned to the negative. It happens in marriages. It happens in friends. It happens in churches. It happens in business. It's happened in every relationship. You see, you can, man, look at your wife and you see that negative thing, but you don't see the hundred positive things that she does. And now your focus is on the one negative thing, but you don't see the hundred positive things that are out there. Or ladies, you can look at the negative three or four things in your husband, and you don't see the positive five things that he has. But it's really true. And, and, and it's true about your own life. 
Well, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, we, we, we have, you know, financial situation. Listen, my friends, you're probably living the best life you have ever, ever lived. There are people around the world that would love to live your life. They'd love to have a refrigerator, and they'd love to have something inside of it. They'd love to have a vehicle. They'd love to have a home. They'd love to have more than a dollar and fifty cents a day at work. And sometimes we get so focused on the negative, we don't see the hundred positive things in our life. And let me tell you, that's a trap that you can get stuck in. And we have to avoid that. We have to kind of change our mind and change our mentality. As Paul said, think on these things. we we got to change the way we're thinking here. Because we get stuck when we have a wrong perspective. We, we can be like the spies. We, we see this wrong. We see this. We're able. And they got stuck for 40 years. You can be stuck way too long. So let's don't get stuck. We have to change the way we focus some things in our life. And let's look at the positive. Let, let's look at the good things and not always the negative. And I'll tell you what the world's feeding you right now. Negativity, negativity, negativity. I mean, it's a steady dose. I, I, I have to quit watching it. I mean, everything's wrong with the economy. It's wrong with jobs. It's wrong with health. It's wrong with the president. Honey, listen, we got some right things going on. Let's change our focus. And we need to change it. Or if we don't, you will get stuck. Here's the fourth thing. Getting unstuck requires, requires letting go of what's got you bound or stuck. You know, I... Uh, I've been stuck, and I've been really stuck. How many of you know the difference between being stuck and really stuck? You know, we went through about four or five years of drought conditions. I don't know if you remember that. You know, our lakes almost dried up. Some did dry up. Ponds dried up. You know, uh, Warica Lake was probably a third of what it was. And uh, when that drought broke, I don't know if you recall, but in May and June of that year, we got 20-plus inches. I mean, when God said, I'm going to restore you, honey, he restored us. And uh, I remember a conversation going on. There was two men uh, talking, and, and they were talking about the drought, and, you know, the, the lakes were almost dry. And he said, well, listen, it's going to take five or ten years for these to fill up. <laughs> this one guy was talking to him. He said, sir, you're not around from here, are you? Do you know in two months they filled up? In two months they filled up. So I'm driving through the pasture in my, my Ford one-ton four-wheel drive. And I thought, if I stay up on the high ground, I probably won't get stuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got stuck big time. I got a four-wheel drive. All four wheels now are spinning stuck. And I've got it bared up to the running boards. So I decided, after a day or two, maybe it's dried out enough, so I go get a 4430 John Deere tractor, and I'm going to pull out my truck. Oh, guess what happened? I get the tractor stuck. And now it's buried up. And when you stick a tractor, it's really stuck. So my friend, who has a big front-end loader, he had his stuff stuck, so he's going to get his front-end loader to get his stuff out. And I said, hey, wait. Go by my place and unstick my tractor and my truck. Well, okay, Mike, I will. So he calls me a day or two. He said, I couldn't get him out. He said, I, I barely got out myself with that loader. And I went down there where he was trying to get my, my stuff unstuck. 
And there were ruts, and I'm not exaggerating, that deep. And he had to tie on to the front end loader to trees to pull himself out. There were trees pulled over. He had pulled trees over, but he got unstuck. So we have this really big tractor that has eight big wheels, you know, about tall as your head, and it pivots the middle. you got to climb up in a, a ladder to get in there. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to wait a couple weeks. I'll get everything unstuck. So I go down there with the big tractor, and I've got chains and tow ropes, and I broke every chain and every tow rope I had. So I had a guy that I knew. He said, Mike, I've got a chain that I got from Fort Sill, Oklahoma, that they pull M1 tanks out. And I said, let me borrow it. So I go with my truck and I get the chain. And listen, God is my witness. You couldn't pick it up to put it in the back of the truck. You had to pick up like one link at a time to put it in. And I finally got everything out. But honey, you can get stuck in a bad way. And, and, and every person here, at one time or another, you may have had a period of time where you were stuck emotionally, Maybe financially, stuck in a job you didn't like. Maybe stuck in a relationship that you felt like wasn't going anywhere. And so what we have to do is say, okay, number one, i got to have some momentum to get through the tough times. Sometimes I have to change the way that I see things, change the way I perceive things in the way that if I get off track, if I get off road. But I also have to realize i got to let go of the things that are sticking me. You say, well, listen, Pastor, we, we, we live in the world of the, the free and the brave, and in America, we don't get stuck. Really? My friends, we're prescribing more antidepressants and anxiety pills than we ever have before. People are stuck. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take them if you need them. I'm just saying this world has a way of getting us in places that we get stuck in, right? And so we have to realize that People are bound by things. They get stuck in things. People are stuck in alcoholism, drug addiction. And I shared in the early service that, you know, if you're going to get out of some of these things, uh, if you're an alcoholic and say, I'm going to quit drinking, you know, you might need some help getting unstuck. You may need to talk to someone. You may need to go to a recovery group. Listen, this is what I would advise you not to do. Don't say, well, I'm going to beat this and then put the bottle in the back of the cabinet. Because I'm going to guarantee you'll be reaching for it before long. Get what has you bound away from you. When I got saved, um, there were some things in my house I needed to get rid of. And back in the Stone Age, uh, we used to have 55-gallon barrels with the top cut out, and we called it the trash can. Did anybody ever have a trash can? A 55-gallon metal container that usually had some other name on the outside, but that became your trash can. So when I got saved, I had to go into my home, and there were some things I cleaned out of my refrigerator and my bookcase, and I took them to the trash can and I began to burn them and break them in the trash can because I did not need what had me bound close to me. And I needed to get it out of my life and away from me. And guess what? If you're going to get unstuck and unbound, then you need to get off of you what has you bound. And that's good preaching. I know it when I hear it. I tell the story. Dal and I were making a hospital visit. It's been many, many years ago. 
And I told him, I said, Dad, I need to run by my house before we go. There's something I need to do. So we're out in the country. We're driving down the country road. We come to a bridge over a creek. And Dow says, stop, stop the car. So I stop. I think, what's he having me stop for? Well, along the edge of the the, the creek where the bridge had its rails up, there was a a paper sack and there were magazines all over the, the bridge. And someone had taken a whole group of pornographic materials and they tried to throw it out over into the creek from the bridge, but it didn't make it. So Dow and I, in my car, this is Ray of Hope across it, are in the middle of the road with a grocery sack, picking up all these pornographic magazines and putting them in my car. And I looked at him and I said, today would not be a good day to wreck. And so this is what he said. He said, Mike, I do not want some kids or some boys to come across this because this is so addictive. Because there's things that can have you bound. Alcohol can bind you. Drugs can bind you. Pornography can bind you. There's so many things that can bind us. We can get stuck in that. We don't need to be stuck in those things. We need to be free. We need need to be unbound. Let me give you a passage out of the book of Judges, chapter, 14, uh, chapter 15, verse 14. This is the story of Samson. Now, Samson was really birthed and given to Israel as a deliverer from the Philistines. And uh, the people under the bondage of the Philistines really didn't like him trying to get them unstuck from the servitude of the Philistines. I'm going to pick it up, verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that had caught fire, and his bonds melted off of his hands. So let me give you a little context here. Samson's making it rough for the Philistines, and his own people, his own people said, listen, you've got to understand, we're under the bondage of the Philistines, and you're making it worse for us. So what we're going to do, we're going to bind you up, we're going to rope you up, and then we're going to deliver you to the Philistines, and maybe they'll be easy on us. The devil's never easy on you. You cannot make a deal with the devil. You cannot make a deal with the enemy and think he's going to let you go. He will never, ever do that. But I love the story. As they bound up Samson, and they're delivering to the Philistines, when he gets close to the Philistines, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. And the Bible says he broke them like flax that had been burnt. And he ripped it off. And guess what's close by? The jawbone of an ass. And he picks it up. And he kills a thousand Philistines in that one moment. Listen, God's not interested in a truce. He's interested in complete victory. And don't get stuck. We want to be in a place that we can let go and let God deliver us from what has us bound or stuck. Now here's the last one. Somebody say amen. Many times we feel stuck, but God is really just sheltering us for the next big move in our life. Sometimes we feel stuck, but God is only sheltering us for the next big move 
in our life. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we have the first appearance of a prophet by the name of Elijah. He's never appeared in Scripture before. Like a meteor coming into focus, here he is on the scene. We don't know much about him. Matter of fact, everything we know about him really appears in the first verse. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. You see, when we get stuck in a place too long, there's nothing positive that can come out of that situation. But Elijah's in a good place. He, he's waiting his time. Because he, I don't think he really knows when the Lord's going to speak to him again and say, now, let's have the drought broken and this is what you do. So here he is, picture in your mind, he goes to a remote place, the brook Cherith, and supernaturally, God is having the birds, the ravens, feed him. And they are bringing him food in the morning and food in the evening. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, I, I, I don't know if someone's grilling steak that day and the bird picks it off the grill and takes it or, you know, you know flying muffins in the air. I, I don't know how that works, but I believe it. And God is supernaturally sustaining him through this drought. But one day, the brook dried up. It would not have been good for him to stay there if the brook had dried up. Because I believe this, when the brook dried up, probably the ravens quit bringing the food also. Now, why would you say that, Pastor? Because he got another word. The word of God moves us. The Word of God directs us. The Word of God inspires us. Because when the brook dried up, the Lord said, now go to Zarephath. He said, I've, I've asked a widow woman there, and she's going to sustain you. Now, now here, here's the good news. She hadn't heard that yet, but she's going to figure it out. So he gets up from the brook Cherith, and he goes to Zarephath, and when he comes into town... There is the widow woman, and guess what she's doing? She, she's picking up sticks. And she's picking up sticks to go home and really make the last meal, if you will, for her and her son. Because the drought is so intense, people are dying. But when Elijah the prophet shows up, he sees her and he says, Would you go get me a drink of water? Now, this is not found in the Bible, so this is Mike McCord, verse 1 and on, Okay. I think she probably is saying, you got to be kidding me. Do you not know what's going on? We had not had any rain in about three years here, bub. And you want me to go get you a drink of water? Yeah, and while you do it, why don't you go bake me a cake too? Bake me some bread. The gall of those preachers. Isn't that the way they are? Give me some water, bake me some food, 
And she said, hey, let me rehearse this again. The reason I'm out here picking up sticks is because I'm going to take these sticks. I'm going to go home. We have a little bit of oil left, a little bit of meal left. We're going to make our last meal. And then you look at it in Scripture, my son and I, we're going to die. Listen closely. Elijah needed her, and she needed Elijah. Because both of them, in a sense, are stuck. And both of them are going to help one another to get unstuck. Sometimes when you're stuck, you need some help. And to get help, sometimes you have to ask for help. And so she does it. She gets the water. She bakes the food. She, she gives it to the prophet. And I tell you what, there's some things we learn from this that I think are very, very interesting. And, and let me tell you why I said that she needs Elijah. Because at the end of this chapter, her son gets very sick, and he's at the, at the point of dying. And she comes and gets the prophet, and he comes in and he restores life back into the son and presents the son back to the widow. And she said, now I know you're a prophet. I had my doubts when you asked me for the water. I had my doubts when you asked me to fix you something to eat, but now I know God's really with you. Now, if you're taking notes, there's three things here that, that I want you to really look at. When we're stuck, I want to ask you to look for three things. So, Pastor, what three things do we want to look for when we're stuck? Before I tell you that, I want to tell you a lot of people get stuck and they choose to remain stuck. So to get unstuck, there's things you look for. The first thing was look for the water. Look for the water. The first thing he said, how about some water? Folks, we need the living water. The living water, just like Samson who's bound and, and they have him wrapped up. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. Jesus stood up the great day of the feast and he says, look at me. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that he spoke of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the moving of the Holy Ghost. We need the water. Without the water, it's dry. We also need the bread. Listen, we're not looking to come in here and hear three points in a poem here. We need the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And let me tell you what that is. He's referring to the Word of God. Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. We need the living water and we need the Word of God. We need to hear it preached and declared and taught. We need to read it. We need to meditate upon it. We must have the Word of God. And the third thing, we need the fire. Listen, we need to have some motivation. We need to have some inspiration. We need to come in here with a little fire shut up in our bones. Why? Because that'll get you unstuck. Elijah's, he's saying, if I stay here where there's no water and there's no food, I'm stuck. 
And please don't be offended, but there are people in churches all across America, there is no water, there is no bread, and there is no fire. And they're stuck. But they choose to stay there. I'm about to get a little fire in me this morning. Listen, we need the water. We need the bread. We need the fire. If you choose to stay stuck, you can choose that. Or you can choose to get unstuck and to move forward. And if you know Dr. Tony Evans, I had a chance to be at a dinner with him many, many years ago, and he preaches at Oak Cliff Church in the Dallas area, and he said, I was always a little afraid sometimes to be in an elevator to get stuck. And I don't know if you've ever been in a high-rise building, and the elevators sometimes in a high-rise building go very fast. And you get in the elevator, the door shuts, and it takes off, and you go, whoa, my stomach's still on floor two. He said, we got in an elevator. There's several people in the elevator. It takes off. And somewhere on the journey, he said, the elevator gets stuck between floors. And people begin to panic. And some are yelling out, help us, help us. We're trapped. We're stuck in the elevator. Some are beating on the door. Dr. Evans said, I kind of went through the crowd, went to the front of the elevator. And there's a little box there. You open the little door, put it to the side, you reach in, there's a telephone. You pick it up, and you talk to somebody who can really get you unstuck. Let me just say what we do sometimes. Every once in a while when we get stuck, you know what we do? We yell, we holler, we moan, we complain, we gripe, we beat on the door, I'm stuck. But somewhere there's somebody you can talk to that can get you unstuck. If you can get hold of the right one, you can get unstuck. But let me tell you what his name is. His name is Jesus. He's singing an old hymn called the Roll of Telephones. Anybody ever heard that one? Some of you don't have a clue what I just said. The roll telephone answers every time. There's somebody you can call to that will get you unstuck. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.